Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about cultivating fear regarding the danger of abuse. But before we jump into that, I want to remind you to once again consider uh, checking out all the resources over at chrismoles.org. And in particular, here it comes again, don't forget to take a look at PeaceWorks University. If you are benefiting from the content here on the PeaceWorks podcast, then PeaceWorks University is your best next step. Uh, it's our membership community, and it is chock full of resources that I know you're going to benefit from. And unlike the PeaceWorks podcast, where we just uh, pump out the information, it's organized and structured in such a way that you can accomplish uh, those next steps. You can organize your own kind of personal journey. It's been referred to as the Netflix for people helpers. It's just a wonderful resource, and we are very proud of it and would love for you to consider uh, joining PeaceWorks University. So if you want to know more, head on over to chrismoles.org and check out PeaceWorks University. Well, on today's podcast, I received an interesting question, and the way in which it's worded has been a little bit challenging for me, trying to you know uncover or uh, figure out uh, how best to approach it. So I'm just going to give the question to you uh, listener as it was given to me. And the question is, why do you often say that abusive men are dangerous? By doing so, isn't that fueling victims' fear? So the question is, Pastor Chris, why do you insist on referring to abusive men as dangerous? And isn't that fueling victims' fear? Now, I've been it's really hard with uh, text like that. You guys know this to de- to decipher kind of what the the questioner is wanting or meaning. So I guess in one regard, could it be a genuine concern, right? That we don't want to exacerbate an already fear-filled situation, right? Uh, by making victims more uncomfortable, or as the word would be, adding fuel to an already existing fire. That's one way to read it. And uh, maybe another way to read it is, uh, is it possible that the question is saying, why do you assume that abusive men are dangerous? I mean, isn't it possible that uh, victims may remain safe, even if they're living with an abusive partner, and aren't you call and in doing so, are you causing undue fear? Now, I don't know which side of the teeter totter to kind of set down on, uh, but I do think it's it's Im, it's possible, or I think it's imperative that we as people helpers just reflect and speak honestly about the subject matter in which we're called to. When it comes to domestic abuse, I will continue to speak in terms of dangerousness and safety in large part because this issue is uh, historically 
one in which victims are put in a great amount of danger. And so, no, I, I guess to answer the question directly, I don't feel like I'm fueling victims' fears. At least that's not my my goal. So if you're listening to this podcast, I certainly don't want to be an author of fear or a contributor to fear. I actually um, believe that truth is one of those remedies to fear. Perfect love being the ultimate, right? According to uh, John in 1 John, perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Uh, Interestingly enough, Uh, That is one of those hallmarks of abuse, is it not? Because when you consider uh, punishment as a regard in regards to authority, that's what's required, is it not? There has to be some kind of top-down approach in order to really institute that type of threat that cultivates fear. So maybe that's one of those approaches that that we can take. You know, Chris, why? Why do you continue to refer to abusive men as dangerous? Why is that? I think there's a, a one really clear, key, crisp answer that I want to give on the outset. I continue to refer to abusive men as dangerous because, quite frankly, abusive men are dangerous. There's really no other way to describe the potentiality of abusive behavior. So just consider with me for a moment what we're talking about when we say abuse. And I think it's been conflated somewhat in the culture. So I am one of those helpers, one of those pastors, one of those people that believes that abuse is the use of power to coerce or control another person. That within it, ingrained within it, is this advantage. So there's there's power that's being used. Um, it's producing fear, right? And uh, threat and often accompanied by um, reinforcement, physical or sexual violence. So I am not one to say any level of discomfort is abuse. In fact, uh, not long ago, last month, I was working a case, consulting on a case and after hearing all of the um, aspects of the case, all of the aspects presented to this particular helper, which was a counselor, I had to come away saying, you know, right now I don't see abuse. I see discouragement. I see difficulty. But I don't yet see that power to control. And it was so helpful. So the counselor then could go back and begin looking, one, to see if they had missed anything in the narrative that may indicate abuse, or two, if perhaps the counselee needed to reframe their understanding of the difficulty. And sometimes that happens. More often, though, most helpers are assuming it's not abuse, has been my take. Uh, And sometimes you do run up against that, where you have to really understand what you're looking at. Is it abusive? So when it comes to that, perhaps... Perhaps the questioner is saying, you know, Chris, you know, why do you assume all abusive men are dangerous? Well, because all abusive people are dangerous. And if that's not the case, if there's not an element of danger, then I think we have to ask the question, okay, are we really dealing with abuse? Because abuse has within it layers of danger. Now, real quick caveat, 
I may see that more readily as an outsider than a victim may see it. Victims may not see um, the danger associated with their abuser. And how many times, if you're a helper, have you actually worked with a victim who has minimized their own experiences by saying things like, well, he's never hit me with his fist. Or, well, he's never strangled me. Or he's never, there's a a minimizing factor. But I'm here to say that if anybody is using that level of physical force or emotional abuse or psychological abuse or that power to control that is affecting another individual in, in such a way that they're coerced and controlled, then that is a dangerous situation. It's not just an aspect of has he hit you because the potentiality is still there, right? Isolating someone from their family still contains within it a layer of dangerousness. And perhaps that's an area where we need a little bit more clarity and discussion. Maybe that's an area where some folks and I disagree. Uh, For instance, even when we use the term violence, this is something that I have to have numerous conversations about. When I use the term violence, I'm usually referring to the idea of force. And force, is, in my mind, is not always physical. There are ways to force individuals to use power to control individuals without becoming physical or sexually violent. And so uh, an individual who controls or restricts your your access to outside help, an individual who restricts your access to financial resources, who limits your agency and mobility, who challenges your sanity and continues to keep you, um, you know, like you're walking on eggshells or walking on water where there's no solid foothold, is that violent? And in many ways, it may be. It was one of the big pushbacks that I have received is, well, Chris, you, you say that leaving my dirty socks on the floor is violent or raising my voice is violent. And certainly, I, I would not say that in isolation. But in the context of power, control, abuse, motive, intent, impact, could it be? Well, certainly. The most innocent of behaviors or eccentric behaviors that we possess can become abusive within the right context and with the right motive, and certainly if they accomplish the right effect or impact. If you work long enough in work, especially with abusive individuals, they will often admit uh, when, when pinned against the wall, so to speak, that manipulative tactics becoming more effective are more desirable than physical assault because the physicality is often associated with criminal behavior and potential consequences where manipulation and emotional abuse and coercive control outside of the criminal code, again, being much more desirable because there's less consequences, less likely to be uh, arrested, charged, hassled, or harassed. And so I think we have to consider that even that aspect, something that we may see as an outsider, as innocent or confusing, has uh, an element of danger, especially when we put it in the context of abuse. So yes, I will continue to say that abusive men are dangerous because I believe they're dangerous. Does that fuel victims' fear? Again, context is really important here. Assuming this individual is a victim of domestic abuse, I I want their concern to be raised. I, I would be okay if there was a level of fear that prompted action or concern or self-reflection. So um, 
I would be okay with that. I think what may be inerrant in the question that we would have to consider, maybe banter back and forth, is this idea of are we assuming that the term abuse, abuser and victim encapsulates more than abuse? Are we saying that, well, yeah, some, some men who are abusive aren't dangerous and some victims aren't really in harm's way? And I would say by doing so, we've cheapened those terms quite a bit. And I know that happens in our culture where we, we try to make abuse um, dependent upon our level of comfort. Like, I don't feel comfortable, so therefore I'm a victim. Well, that's not really helpful, per se, in the scheme of things. And so um, understanding that a victim is an individual who's experiencing that power over, that coercive control, with the perpetrator being the one who's wielding it. And yes, impact is part of that. I've heard some folks who, who challenge this notion that um, those of us who are helpers or advocates, we tend to let the victim experience be the only expertise. It's the standard. And I would, I would disagree. I would say victim experiences is important. It helps us understand the context, but it's not the standard by which we determine whether something's abuse or not. Um, there are many, many factors that go into that. Yes, the victim's sense of safety is very, very important. Uh, the victim's story is really important, as, as are the overarching narrative or history of abuse, as is conversations with the perpetrator, which is something that I think a lot of folks have less comfort or confidence doing. I think if you were to interact with an individual who maybe um, has those conversations on the regular, you would probably see that, that abusive individuals often show their hand to some degree or another uh, and certainly will you know, reveal some of those safety concerns in conversations with them as well. And so I, I think we avoid that in many ways because of, of comfort. So to, to come back to the question... Um, the answer is, yeah, I'll continue to call abusive men dangerous. Um, I'll continue to want to listen to the fear of, uh, of victims. You know, some, some thoughts, you know, on that, this idea of dangerousness. And I think that's one of the areas where if you're in the work very long and you have to read the literature, especially on the criminal side, if you're reading criminal complaints, if you're reading, you're talking with law enforcement officers, you're hearing about these escalatory events. You're hearing about the culmination of years of domestic abuse uh, pretty regularly. And so like last year, for instance, was it last year, year before, one of those recent studies uh, done by, I think it was, I think it was the UN, uh, might've been the World Health Organization, but the, um, the study that, that showed that 137 women were killed daily by their intimate partner. Like every day around the world, uh, over a hundred women being killed by their intimate partner is it falls in the category of dangerous. And that's domestic abuse when left unchecked, unconfronted. It escalates. And of course, the natural escalation without interruption, without intervention, will lead to harm and possibly. Death. I do know that in 2018, uh, the UN Office of Drug and Crime 
uh, I believe it's called, did a study and determined that in uh, 2017, around 80, 87, yeah, around 90,000, 87,000 women and girls were killed that year and that 58 to 60% of them were killed as a result of domestic or family violence. So again, 87,000 women around the world killed in 2017 and, and nearly 60% of them the victim of family members. So that's pretty dangerous. And even police officers, and it'd be an interesting conversation to have with police officers. I know in my neck of the woods, you know, um, around around here we have um, a really good we have really good officers in many ways, but they're very limited, right? So unlike some larger areas where when you call for backup, backup arrives, you know, a lot of our deputies will call for backup, and it'll be 15, 20, 30 minutes because of the geography uh, here in the hills before anyone may come to help. And they historically, individuals who operate as law enforcement officers without backup, have a much higher risk of being injured or possibly killed. Uh, and, and that's even more so when you consider uh, domestic violence. The Department of Justice did a study from 2010 to 2016, and they determined that 40% of uh, fatal calls to law enforcement officers were domestics. Now, now catch that, 40% of fatal calls. So law enforcement officers being killed, being shot, all but one, if I remember correctly, all but one of the cases studied involved a gun. And so 40% of uh, officers being shot on a call were domestic cases. And I believe about 45% of those cases involved an officer responding alone. And, um, you know, the majority of those cases had had been a uh, situation where there had been multiple calls. Like the officers were already aware that the individual was dangerous. Well, what does that tell you? Well, it tells you that more than likely that individual had received prior domestics or had been in a law enforcement officer's sites before, which again, I will say is probably related related to domestics. So I don't want to be, and, and, you know, some may accuse this episode of fueling fear. I don't want to be, um, an individual who creates a sense of fear out of nowhere. However, I also don't want to assume that abusive men are safe. By, their ver- by that very series of words, when you string those words together, abusive men are dangerous, culturally speaking, much more, much more dangerous than possibly any other um, person around. That abusive men have power, they have ability, they have the strength, they have the position to do a great deal of damage if things escalate, and things often escalate. And not just a danger to their partner, but as we've seen, uh, a danger to law enforcement, to people who intervene, even to individuals who try to help. So I you know, appreciate everyone who listens in that's a helper that engages in this incredibly difficult work that serves to see victims safe, to see perpetrators held accountable. And I want you to know that 
you are appreciated and that you are doing very, very difficult work. And at the end of the day, yes, it's a dangerous work. Um, I wish I could say that this work doesn't come with the pain of seeing people injured, harmed, or killed. But it does. The longer you participate in this work, the more you will become keenly aware of the dangers associated with this work. But, you know, I'm reminded of a proverb, um, Proverbs 29, 25, I believe it is. Those who trust in the Lord will be kept safe. And um, the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but those who trust in the Lord will be kept safe. And we can't live our lives as helpers in fear. Uh, we have to trust in the Lord. At the same time, I think we can responsibly share with our clients the risks, the um, potential risks of living with an abusive individual. And I certainly think we can safely and wisely confront perpetrators to hold the mirror up and show them the, the real danger of continuing to participate in this behavior. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I appreciate everybody so much. Continue to listen. If you're listening on one of those major platforms, be sure to rate and review. Let them know how much you enjoy the PeaceWorks podcast. And until next time, God bless.